Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing just fine. Uh, I hope nobody needs to operate on me. Um, so no one has to shrink and go inside my body. That's right, yes. Yes. The future of technology, this is, eh? This is how we're going to do good. <laughs> Move, moving on from keyhole surgery down to clearly very expensive uh miniaturization surgery uh yes ladies and gentlemen we are going to be talking about uh 1966's fantastic voyage in which a small crew of people are miniaturized in a uh submarine and sent in t- inside a uh russian i think it's a russian defector's body in order to um stop a blood clot on the brain so that he can communicate secrets to the military uh whilst they are uh, shrank they go through a series of trials inside the body dealing with everything from the the turbulence of the beating heart to the sound of an eardrum (coughs) but overall they succeed so initial thoughts julian what were your initial thoughts on this uh, on this film yeah i mean here we are in the sixth episode uh already of this season and you know, I, I have to say I'm I'm glad to see this movie all the way through. I have not previously sat there and really watched it, watched it from start to finish. Um, and obviously this is a co- pop cultural touchstone. Uh, you know, Fantastic Voyage is referenced constantly. There's some version of this in uh, Archer and, you know, tons of different shows. Um and having said all that, it is shocking to me how much I do not enjoy it and don't think any of it really makes sense. Interesting. Um, no, I'll be interested. It's, it's interesting. I was interested. You say about how influential this is. Like you say, this has been mimicked and replicated any number of times. I think like, I'm sure there's an episode of The Simpsons that does this. And, and you said like Archer. This film even has, as a, you know, you could even say that this film has a weird sequel in Inner Space, uh, the 1980s yeah. film with uh, Des Quaid and, and Martin Short. Because in this film, they actually use the line, uh, the, the the strangeness of Inner Space, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Um, this is also... Um, uh, in, in Airplane, they joke about this when the guy sort of says about... Uh, um, what a time to run out of sugar. And obviously sort of they have the character saying like, what a time to run out of cigarettes and it escalates until he's basically sort of sniffing glue. So yeah, that, that is uh, clearly a reference to this. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, that is, and it's very spot on um, in airplane. I always remember like, well, I, I gave, I chose the wrong week to, to give up snorting cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
or a cough syrup or whatever. Um, so yeah, the, the, you can see the sort of like the pop culture references throughout this, like repeatedly. Um, however, as you said, does it work? Um, it's a very um, inoffensive film. Mm. Is how I would describe it. Um, I would also say this is probably Raquel Welsh's most, or sorry, least, uh, least, what of anything. Like she doesn't seem to do much of anything in this film. Like, I think she had like four lines um, as Cora. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, the film. The, the one thing I the one thing I was surprised about having gone back. I watched this as a kid. Like it's one of those films I'm sure was on like Sunday afternoon television. You know, when I was a kid. And so I've seen, I know I've seen this, but going back and watching it, I was like, oh, this isn't like a Disney kind of film. Like it's, a, it's sort of, um, it's not played like a family film. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's quite straight laced. It's quite a straightforward sort of, um, I don't know, science adventure, I suppose, or sort of like it's got like a clicking, um, ticking clock and all that sort of thing. But yeah, it's not played. As I thought it was, I, I remembered it slightly differently. I think so. I mean, having like the professor attacked at the beginning to sort of kick off the plot and stuff, and then having sort of like you know the below ground laboratory and all this other stuff. I was like, oh wow, well, this is actually kind of going for something a bit different, you know. Well, uh, that's true. I mean, having said that, I I felt I could not escape the Disney feeling, um, you know. You're right. It's sort of framed in that way. And I want to talk about how it's framed and and what's going on in this universe. Mm. But I watching it, I I felt tonally the thing that this is closest to is the black hole, the Disney attempt a a decade and a half later to do science fiction. And, you know, you said it's inoffensive. Mm. Um, You know. I feel like inoffensive usually offends me um you know stuff that's just like pablum for the masses toned down so that it's not going to be it's not going to rattle anyone's cage that rattles my cage Mm um i'd much rather stuff you know be itself swing for the fences offend people if need be um then you know sort of have this kind of tone and i'm it's not that i'm against family stuff or kids stuff or or whatever but it's not really interesting i mean it is shocking to me how little drama you said there's a ticking clock there is no drama (laughs) in this entire movie i mean let's be crystal clear there is no scene where you're like i want how are they going to survive this you know it's like time and time again Oh look, some some strings are menacing a character. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. This is shit. Yeah, there's no tension in this movie. You're right. For something that's supposed to be, um, you know, they introduce they introduce a literal ticking clock of sixty minutes, and it comes down to the last four. And even the last four, they are incredible. Like, some of the characters are incredibly calm about doing what they've got to do. They're like, um. You know, oh, we've got six. Oh, we've got six minutes left. It'll take us two minutes to get to the exit point. Well, that gives me four minutes to do this surgery. And you're like, oh, that still sounds. I'm sort of on Donald Pleasance's side at this point, where I'm like, no, like you've blown it. Like, go. Um, so yeah, it's 
And you still, so this thing I would say is you say about how you know Disneyfication, whatever. And this was 20th century Fox at the time. This did result in a uh, a cartoon hmm. series that ran from 68 to 77. Uh, and yeah, yeah, 17. We'll ever talk about that on the show? No, we won't. I can guarantee I, it. I would like to see it, like just for two minutes, to realize how unbelievably horrible it is, and suppress the vomit in my mouth. In yeah. order to never look at it again. But um but yeah, no, you are when I say inoffensive, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Is that thing of like lack of tension? I mean, it looks good. I think the film looks good, I'm fine with all that, but it's kind of um I never feel like no one's gonna make it home. You know what yeah. I mean? Like at no point do I feel like this is gonna fail. I'm just like, oh yeah, well, you're gonna take they constantly have to move from one system to the next. So they're in the circulatory system, then in the lymphatic system, then they're in something else. They keep moving through these things. I'm like, what damage are they doing to this poor person inside? But like, you're told they're very small, right? So like, oh, they yeah, could yeah, just yeah, zap still, through. Yeah, you know, it's like that's a pinprick kind of. But, but it still, doesn't really make sense. But yeah. no, but still like you say they keep doing it and then they just pull it under the map and they're like oh we could just go this way uh, all right and everyone agrees and they just move on like god yeah i mean you made me think about the map like i mean there's there's so in in the control room they have these maps of the human body and, and there's a giant one on the wall i love the giant sort of one. like moving parts it's a, it's as a magnetic it's like... a magnetic dot to show where they are I, I yeah, and, and they're sort of moving it as if it's yeah. a, a war room, you know. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, it's like even with GPS, you know, like clearly the people, I mean, this is incompetently written from start to finish, but people who the writers have envisioned this as like radar. Yes. Not thinking radar can't be shrunk down with the same degree of accuracy. Uh, even with GPS, it's like, you know, close enough, three feet. You know, like three feet is like, well, it could be in his toe, could be in his crotch. Yeah. We don't know. He's there, he's there. They're in the top half of his body the entire time. Oh, well, at least that's good. The, yeah, the, pretty much. What I would say is as well, you have to sort of accept, um, before we move on, you have to accept the shrinking capability as a bit of a give, right? However, so I want to sort of lay this out because it's something I thought was interesting. So they have like a stage, they go through phases. So they shrink down, the, the they all go in the ship, and then they shrink down the ship, and that gets smaller. And then they instant they place this teeny, teeny, teeny ship into this massive like test tube. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So they place that inside this massive test tube. Then they shrink the test tube down, um, and then that becomes a syringe. And they put the syringe together. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then they're going to syringe inject that into uh the person who's been injured this professor so it's like, okay well they've actually thought this through a little bit like you know you have to get them into a syringe so you've got to go in phases and stuff so it's like, okay you you've given that some consideration of how you would want to, to present that however there is then a conversation about the fuel for the ship mm. for this for this submarine and this is it's a, a minuscule, like a microscopic thing of radiation, of, of, of nuclear thing. Well, I can't remember what it, says, what, it, what it says. And your main character, you're, you're sort of like your rough, ready, sort of like rogue kind of guy who's the main character. You're, 
Uh, Grant, his name is, played by Stephen Boyd. Grant asks the question of one of the other guys and says, um, of, of Bill Owens, who's the other captain, who sort of like flies the ship or guides the ship. He says, oh, what, what, what do you mean? It's, he says, well, nuclear energy can't be shrank, so by the time we're down to this size, it'll be big enough to power the ship. And I'm going like, but that's not how it works. <laughs> right, nuclear atoms, you know, like radioactive atoms. Well, there's a lot that's radioactive, actually, to one degree or another. Yeah. Granite is fucking radioactive. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, the, actually, that whole sequence with them shrinking, and then they have these, like, dumb little forklifts come out. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, the they've got, like, a, I love the, the guy who's just standing there going, like, Looking very, very serious as he's, he's got, gesturing. He's got, there's a guy. So just so you know, for listeners, but there's a guy who has a wife, white glove, who's literally like. You know when you stand behind a friend's car and mm. you guide them backwards, and you oh, oh, that's far enough. That is literally what he's doing for the precision of of, of having these these things uh, inserted into this microscopic. Uh, that yeah, it's it's hilarious to watch. It was brilliant. But actually, that whole sequence is probably my favorite sequence of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because it has that a certain amount of thoughtfulness. Now it really yes. doesn't make sense, right? Because no. just shrink them down all the way, you know, or put them in a thimble and then throw them in the top of the syringe, right? Mm. I mean, you, it doesn't really make sense. You don't need all of that. But I mean, uh, I'm reminded of a couple examples um, of sort of how to understand narrative. Um, you know, one is like the uh, making things a bigger deal. Thinking mm. of like uh, the raising of uh, the obelisk in the Ten Commandments, where you it's not a big deal, but you have characters going, "All right, pull," and it's turned into this big event. This is a dumb thing, right? You're, you know, mm. in the same way, you know, watching that guy indicate is like making it feel much more grandiose than it really needs to be. Yes, but ultimately, all of this and, and all of this film. I think it's the best example I can think of, of this thing in writing where you add complications, right? So, <clears> like, <throat> you you look at, like, the script to, like, Basic Instinct. It's done <clears throat> halfway through, right? You're like, all right, I've got a script. It is 60 pages long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, we know who's the killer. Uh, I, well, I've got to somehow get it to 120 pages. I'm going to introduce another suspect. <clears throat> and, you know, and then go off on that for 50 pages um so you have these ways that writers just kind of introduce a complication for a complication's sake and hopefully it will be interwoven into the plot so it doesn't feel like oh you could just pull it out and the movie would be well, the same the, the, this the, movie the, is nothing but complications no if, like they have clearly said here's the plot you're shrinking and you're going into somebody's body yeah, literally that example of uh, the maneuvers to shrink them down. That is to add to the runtime and add complications. Mm -hmm. Every single thing that happens to them inside the body is one needless complication after another, <laughs> and that's why there's no engagement. It's yeah, not drama. Well, what I would say is there because you can do that and do it relatively well. You can, relatively well. We'll see about that because a Bond film is just that, isn't it? Like a Bond film, in, in many cases, can be just sort of like, it's almost like a segue of mini adventures. Like, okay, he's going to go here and do this thing, and then he's got to, sort of, then he finds another clue, and he's got to go somewhere else. Like, if it's done in a certain way, you can you can do that thing. Or you could just pull one out and go, okay, we'll just stick those two together. 
Um, and I talked about the sort of the, the obviously the influence this has had on other things. And I thought about like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is very much the same. But one of the things that that does to create drama is because this feels incredibly safe. Like this is one of the safest films I've seen. But with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like it throws them into the garden. And that's the first complication. And they come across other things, but like you like, oh no, you're into the wild. You you have no control over this, and you are you know, haven't been shrunk. There's no army or, or medical fleet fleet of medical sort of people stood behind you sort of to back you up. But you're right in this. Like I, I never feel like because it's like they have all these complications, and they solve them all in such quick succession <laughs> with a discussion that you're just like. Oh, all right. Well, when the next thing happens, I'm pretty sure you'll solve it because there doesn't seem to be, you know, like the the heart is a really good example, right? Uh, it's it's the best example of what you're saying. Um, they get pulled out of, they get in, injected into the circulatory system, and they're going through one bit, and there's like a, a whirlpool, and so they have to cut from being in an artery into a vein. It, it just takes them there yeah. and then they're no longer on course they're no really... so they're not, and they're now heading towards the heart and they've been saying like we can't go to the heart the heart will just you know the the the, the turbulence of the sort of the pulse uh, the beating of the heart will destroy the ship and so you must be like oh my god and it literally cuts to the outside and they're like well you can stop his heart for a minute uh and it takes them 57 seconds to get through so that gives them three seconds to spare and that three seconds is supposed to create some sort of tension mm. mm-hmm However, they get through the height in 57 seconds and they revive the guy. Move on. And it's just like, yeah. huh? oh, okay. <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that's a, it's the repeat of that. Like They just keep succeeding. That's okay. I mean, there there is a kind of tension there. I mean, you know, as they're going through and it's kind of like, oh, this is spooky. You know, like, are they good? But yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel tense. It doesn't, no, it you doesn't. Know, I mean, the same thing, like, again and again, they have to go outside and make repairs, right? Mm. There's that ludicrous bit where they're in the ear and they have to make repairs and, you know, they're like, don't drop anything in the in the room, you know, or it'll shake the... Nobody thinks of getting out of the room, you know? I yeah, mean, that, was what, that was my point. They're heading to the area. Can everybody leave? Yeah, right. Let's, let's not have 30 people stood in a room. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very bizarre. Um, and, you know, but it's like that. the reason is because basically there's the seaweed stuff mm. that is, can, you know, caught up in the vents of the craft. Right. So they all have to get out and just pull it off. Um, well, that's a needless complication. You don't mm. need that. There is a certain amount of tension as you see them get on their spacesuits. And, you know, I mean, it's really an EVA. Right. I mean, they're, you know, OK. Um you know, but it just doesn't, there's never any, you don't feel any tension. It's no. not that they succeed, right? Because they would succeed in most movies, right? Uh, I mean, in Armageddon, it's the same thing. There's a bunch of things that have to happen. There's a bunch of, oh, we're off. I mean, Apollo 13 is the same thing. But yeah, but people die in those films. There. Yeah, people right. die in those films. Like Things right. happen and you lose people. I mean, Armageddon is one of those things. We will cover Armageddon at some point because... It's one of those ridiculous films where, like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's one of the it's mm-hmm. one of the best examples of ludicrous uh, blockbuster cinema. However, it does things like where you do like it does kill off certain characters when you're like, oh right, Christ, okay, well they're going to do that. Fair enough. This one does like it. But one of the it, 
this film at one point i was watching it and i was into in my head i was debating does this have too many people involved or too few people involved like there's not enough people for me to to have like some red shirts kind of situation like in star trek like you know you want to be someone to be killed off but then there's also there's only there's a like there's a five I think five people on the ship and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah but there's but they haven't given everyone enough dialogue for me to care about any of the people <laughs> so right and 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 basically they have no personalities no. I mean they they have a one line personality and their backstory is like right I'm the assistant okay that's all we need to know <laughs> yeah you you literally hired Raquel Welch in 1966 to be the assistant. And, right, and, and then basically hide her in the background for most of the film. Yeah, she's but not bizarre. No, I mean it is it is very strange, and I, I know exactly what you mean about sort of like I hate the dumb um, characterization of disaster movies and mm. Armageddon, where it's like you know, uh, you know, uh, ever since we lost his mom, I've I've had to be a father yeah. to him. And, you know, I hope he gets to grow up with a father. I didn't get that, you know, but this mission comes first. Well, guess who's going to die? You know, I mean, and it's terrible, terrible. That stuff is almost always just terrible, terrible. But then here we have a a vision of what happens when you just don't bother doing any of that (laughs) at all. (laughs) Well, let's drill into a couple of things, because there's several things that I want to highlight. Let's go through some of the characters. So you've mentioned Raquel Welch as Cora, the assistant, and she's meant to be like the best assistant, nursing assistant that you could, you know, that he totally trusts her. Brilliant. Doesn't do anything. Like she doesn't, you know, she doesn't seem to become a love interest. She's not um, like a, you know, uh, her being there. Other than that, there's a scene at the beginning where a, um, uh, one of the generals is like, I won't have a woman on this mission. It's not for women. And she's like, you know, tough. I do whatever. She says she's on it. Like at no point does her being a woman on this mission matter in the slightest, you know, like, it, or, you know, her having to prove herself or anything else n- never comes up. So it doesn't matter. So she's sort of like, you know, all right, that's her. You have Grant, who's the first person you've introduced, who's like the, the good looking one. Let's say he's your rogue. He's your Han Solo kind of character. He, yeah, he's not because he's not roguish. He literally does everything he's told. Um, but he's supposed to be sort of like, yeah, exactly, yeah. But he's your, your good-looking sort of like main character sort of thing on the ship, and so he has a few moments. But he's supposed to be the brave one. But all he is is a he's a diver and a communications expert, and that's about it. So like he doesn't. There's nothing there that says again like you know, you know he was a diver during the war or some stuff, and you go okay, well what war? Because he's clearly not older than thirty three. <laughs> um, so. There's bits like that. And then you have um, the captain who, who guides the ship, Captain um, Bill Owens, doesn't seem to do a great deal other than fly the ship. Like, he just sits up in the cockpit the entire time. And you're just like, okay, fine, that's that. So it comes down to two people in, in the well, ship. What, what, you're, what you haven't mentioned yet is that it's established from before they shrink that there is a traitor. <laughs> like, we are... Basically, they are fully aware that, like, you know, the Soviets, I mean, the Soviets and the Americans, this occurs during the Cold War, and there is a traitor. They can't guarantee that there's not a traitor, and it becomes very clear that there's a traitor on board. 
Right, so this is kind of the big mystery. It's not a mystery, is it? Though? No, but let's there are five people. I mean, it's like yeah. I'm I'm always reminded of uh, Throw Mama from the Train, where uh, they review the script and say, you know, it's a murder mystery. You have three characters, and one of them's dead on page two. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, but that's the thing. You then end up with uh, um, the Doctor, who I'm trying to find, played by Doctor Duval, Arthur Kennedy. And then you have Dr. Michaels, played by Donald Pleasance. Now, I like Donald Pleasance. A bit of a bit of national treasure, you know, Great Escape, Halloween, <clears throat> Blofeld in Bond. He's done all those kinds of things. However, when they line up and they actually have this thing about um, who the traitor is. Now, I, again, I'm not entirely sure that he is. Is he, commu- is he like a, a communist sympathizer? Is that the point of the treachery? Because it never feels like that later on in the film. Um so basically, you have these two characters, and it's it's Doctor Duval that's sort of called into question. He's like, "Well, I've never met a more dedicated medical professional in my life." And you go, "Okay, well, it's clearly you, yeah, <laughs> that's the traitor." Like, you know, that's clearly who this is going to be. And so, yeah, throughout the film, I'm just looking at Donald Pleasance and saying, like, this Weasley character that you're playing, oh, you are clearly the one that's that's doing all this. Like, it's not. It's you say it's a mystery. It may in that may have been the purpose, but like, well, yeah, that is yet uh, that is a classic example of you know if you're sitting there and you say, all right, I have the script assignment. What are we going to do to complicate this? Right. Well, they can't just be injected next to the brain and laser this this problem. They're going to be injected, and somehow they've got to go off course. And then you know, all right, we're going to go through the heart. Well, what's the one of the first complications you think of is there's a traitor on board the ship. Mm-hmm. Right? That's such a classic kind of complication. But again, even that does not create narrative tension. Even that is like, right. I mean, it's pretty clear who it is, but also I don't care. <laughs> it never means. Well, also, if you wanted to eliminate who um, the traitor is. Grant is brought in, and he's the one that's told there's potential for a traitor, so watch out. So it's not him, because he was brought into this mission. He knew nothing about it beforehand. Uh, Cora is brought into the mission. She was never actually intended to be on it, so it's clearly never going to be her. And then so you have either one of the doctors or the pilot of the ship... And you well, go, all right, so it's down to three people, but you've clearly established is, it's one of the doctors. Well, the other thing is they show these characters clearly yeah. react, reacting and doing things in a way. Like, you see characters finding the sabotage laser, mm. right? The laser that's going to be used on the, yeah. you know, uh, on the brain lesion or whatever, you know, uh, has been sabotaged at one point. Mm-hmm. And you see characters who discovered it. You have characters who, you know, clearly are well-intentioned, you know, characters. Clearly, you know, you would eliminate them immediately. Right there, you know who's got to have done it, right? You're down to a couple suspects. But, you know, speaking of lack of narrative tension, this should be a big issue, right? Mm. Yet, there are scenes where, you know, there is never a fight about, like, maybe you're the traitor, Right which we've seen in these movies, right? You know, um, e- even that uh, Horizon, what is it? Uh, that's so terrible uh, with the, the, the haunted house in space. Um, oh, Event Horizon. Event yeah. Horizon. Yeah, even Event Horizon, mm. as terrible as it is, 
knows like make the characters argue. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Like I disagree. Are you a traitor? Are you know like that is such an easy way to generate tension. At no point do any of the characters argue about that. Um, and instead, there are scenes where they go outside. And it's like, if you're sending me outside, if I'm part of like four out of five people going outside, the first thing I'm going to say is like, look, we know there's a traitor on board. <laughs> you know, everybody's got to go outside. Who are who are we covering? That kind of thing. Nobody even mentions that. It's just like, yeah. look, we all know there's a traitor, but we must. We are good Americans and we will operate as if nobody is a traitor until they murder us. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a thing, like I say, it's... It's a it's a weird like Chekhov's gun that's almost sort of like left on the side, isn't it? They're sort of introduced. They go, I'm just going to leave this on the side. We may or may not come back to this, but I'm going to remind you it's there repeatedly <laughs> by pointing at it, and then at the end it may come up. It's it's so yeah, it's so bizarre. Um, and even when it does come up at the end, I, I, I'm, I, you know, let's cut to talk. But let's let's just talk about this point first. So Donald Donald Pleasance is revealed to be the traitor. Okay, that is the end of the film. So the end of the film, he tries Spoilers. to stop. Yeah, spoilers for a, a, a <laughs> almost a, a, a fifty-five-year-old film, a fifty-five-year-old movie that everybody can guess this this yeah. answer anyway, right? Um, but when he's revealed to be the traitor, so again, I'm never entirely sure of his motivation. So when you have a traitor, like it's, it's usually for you know ideological or personal purposes or whatever. You know, there's a reason for it. When when it, when the ship first closes and gets injected, so he has like a panic attack, like he has claustrophobia, and he has a, a pretty good story. Like I was trapped under rubble during the Blitz for two days, and you're like, oh well, that that makes kind of sense. So I'm I'm it's a kind of good backstory. I understand that. Um, but when it comes to the end, and they're all going to sort of like stop, they're, gonna, they're basically going to ex, you know, explode out of this poor person's body if they stop sort of like you know stop shrinking. They're going to re reform into the normal sizes. So he keeps sort of he stops, breaks the laser, he untangles something so the air pressure can go low, and then at the end he keeps stopping them and keeps saying, "Oh, we should really stop. We should go back. We should go back." I don't know what his motivation is, because. What he should, you know, because he is he just trying to keep um, the professor quiet? Is he actually a part of the Russian? Is he a Russian spy, like a Russian mole? In which case, should he not really be trying to kill the professor from the inside? And that be, the use of the laser at the end should then become the arguing point. Like I, I don't know, because at the end, all he does is try to escape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he does hit the other guy over the head. Right. You yeah, know, but only so he can to... escape, so they can try and get right. away. That, 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 it seems like another panic attack. Almost. Well, no, it's not. It's not. But I, I still don't know his motivation for. Well, the, because he doesn't have one. I mean, and no. I, I want, and I want to back up a little to sort of like, what is, how does this work? What is the world that we're in? Right. Mm. Because a story doesn't begin. Um, Hey, a guy had a heart attack. We're going to have to go in and, and fix his left ventricle. Uh, the coolest way of doing this, buddies, is by sending a ship in miniaturized. <laughs> um, you've got to have some kind of justification. So the just you say it's not a family film in the sense that it starts with this weird sequence, which is mm. uh, sort of an attack on the guy who winds up having the ship go inside him. Mm-hmm. 
and it's uh, it's brutal. I mean, it's you know, there's gunfire and people are killed, and none of this. You're not told who this person is. None of this yeah. has any context. It's just like a random action sequence. And then you're told very quickly, all right, so uh, this guy has, first of all, Russia and America both have miniaturization technology. Okay. Yeah, yeah that is stated be... in this film. It is stated in the film. Yes. Right. So, and, and clearly they know that this is a plot hole because they say, well, how, why don't the Russians have this? Oh, they do. But the scientist is the only one who knows how to make it, you know, last. The effect mm. lasts longer than one hour, right? So we've got to repair his brain because he's been attacked by the Russians. I mean, so already this is preposterous, right? I mean, so yes, that that traitor is working for Russia, and yet he has so many other opportunities to sabotage the mission or kill people that he doesn't take. It's mm. like they've forgotten that he's a traitor. It's not important. They totally have forgotten that there's a Cold War context here. I mean, <laughs> yes, like that's cl like you. The mission of this, like they should be saying, like America's security depends on this. You know, we have two minutes to do this. I don't you know, it doesn't matter if this guy dies. What matters is whether my children and your children die in a nuclear cloud, mm -hmm. you know, Nobody ever says it's like the movie has totally forgotten that like the peace of the world is at stake in, in the Cold War. Totally not important. That traitor, you know, doesn't express like, you know, doesn't say the word. All right, comrade. You know, like yeah. he has no well, Soviet inclination. What's going on? One of the things that it made me think about, especially with Donald Pleasance being in it, where you have two ticking clocks going on. That, that drive the thing is Escape from New York. Mm. So in Escape from New York, it's, you know, it's again, it's someone is injected into a situation to go and sort it out. So, but in that, it's obviously Snake Pliskin has to go into New York to save the president and a tape that he has that has some, um, I don't know, some secrets, some nuclear secrets or something, because he has a presentation to the world that will ensure world peace. That's the point. But then you also have this second one that is in where Snake is injected with these um, poison capsules. If he doesn't do this within so much time, um, he will die. Right? They will dissolve and it will be poison and he will die. So you have this sort of like secondary ticking clock where well, the mission has a ticking clock because the president has to present by this other time. But then Snake's got a clock as well. He has to care about it. And that's almost like what this film should have had. Like this film should have had like you've got the timing for... The, the submarine growing. Again, no one says, like, beyond this point, if this isn't done, basically this guy's head's going to erupt and a massive submarine's going to appear in the room. Yeah. <laughs> which, is... Which, is, which is, spoilers, the ending of the two-part Archer episode. Yes. Uh, which is quite charming, you know. Um, but yeah, that's clearly you know, going to be a joke. And I know, like, you know, even the boys have done it recently with something. But, yeah. Um, one of the things... Not that, done know, with the blood clot, but... No, 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 not yeah, not going to talk about that on this that in this podcast, not yet anyway. But um, so you have their sixty seconds, sixty minutes that they've got to do things. But they should really be like, we need this secret in order to do something. Like there mm. needs to be like a secondary where like we need the professor to come round and tell us this secret because, as you say, there is a world. The stakes on this are just so small. Is how it feels throughout. 
Do you know what I mean? But like, they're not. I, I know exactly what you're saying, but again and again, right. they're but they not. But, but it they feels feel. as if there's yeah. no drama whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, you're going through a guy's heart. There should be stakes, right? I mean, you all are, you know, there's a traitor. You're all getting out of the ship but one dude, right? Mm. That happens multiple times, you know? You would think that that either, I mean, that clears somebody or it doesn't. You'd be scared to go out. Nobody has those conversations. No. Nobody has those conversations about the Cold War. I mean, the stakes are, you know, essentially there's a new technology, a new sci-fi technology that both sides of the Cold War have. That should be, you know, over overhanging the entire plot. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, we have to have the advantage. There is no deterrent if we don't have the advantage, that sort of thing. So I, I'm going to jump forward to, to the very end um, because we're talking about this framework. Um, so you say, like, there isn't the sense of, right, we're going to, you know, complete the surgery and then he's going to come out and reveal this big secret. Yeah, and I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, ha- he ha- doesn't come out, right? He's not revived. <laughs> He just isn't going to die from this blood clot, right? So he's still in a coma. Um, what, and then everybody's just like, all right, congratulations, and shake their hands. And the movie ends as if it's like 1930s movies where we've talked about where it's like, yeah. all right, King Kong's dead. That's <laughs> the end. You know, yeah. uh, you know, that's all you need. We've resolved the main plot. At no point do they say, uh, right, well, congratulations, you know, there's a Cold War context to this that is never brought back. <laughs> and this is where it gets to this idea of like complications. Everything exists to just drive this special effects plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this very silly plot. There are no characters. There is <laughs> no setting. There's no story. Uh, none of that matters. No, you're right. I thought exactly the same. And I knew you were going to say this about the ending because they do. They they re sort of like they come back to their normal size and everyone's hugging and sort of going, "Yeah, we've made it in one of the rooms." Nobody goes back into the other room and says his pulse is strong. He's survived. His the likelihood of him coming out of this coma is is now a hundred percent. Well done. You've saved America or you've given us a better chance. There's none of that. And I was I was almost I was waiting for it. And then the credits start. And I, well, no, I tell you what, because I was watching this on my laptop. And so I had the sort of the time bar pops up behind them and you move the mouse. And I spotted there were four minutes left at one point. And I was like, they're still inside and there's four minutes left. Like, how are they going to resolve this? Four minutes later, I'm like, oh, they're not going to resolve it. They're going to end it. Oh, fine. Fair enough. Like, that's what's going to happen. Well, you um, say resolve it, but that presumes there's a plot to be resolved, yes, right? I true. mean, that was not a plot. That was just an excuse to establish okay we've got this technology go inside them <laughs> that's yeah. all that matters well, one thing one thing i want i want to mention actually, you talk about we talk about character and plot and we, we we talk about obviously this is a a cold war narrative so you're talking sort of like you know um america versus the soviet union so one of the, at one point in this film I was, I was curious about this because obviously my understanding is, you know, sort of within the Soviet Union, this sort of like, you know, we've eradicated religion and it's all about sort of like, you know, a very sort of like, you know, for the people and blah, 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 blah. There's a there's a moment in this when you, your Dr. Duval, who's the one who's originally sort of in, suggested or, you know, potentially suggested as being the, the uh, traitor. But he has a lot of sort of like 
um, religious talk. You know, he gives this thing that they go past certain things, and he's talking about sort of like you know um, the the you know the decisions the made by yes, yeah, intelligent intelligent design almost, yeah. Yeah. Which made me roll my eyes, but yeah. they get into the brain, and again, that he mentions, he quotes something, and someone, <clears throat> Grant, completes the uh, the the quote, and it's obviously this thing about the, you know how special the mind is, and all this other stuff. And Donald Pleasance's character actually has a really funny line. He says, oh, "Okay, that's fascinating. Let me know when we pass the soul, and I'll take a look." Sort of thing. Yeah, like a, as a, a sat, as a, and I was like, "Yeah, I like that line," but I was, again, I was like. Are we are we supposed to be taking this thing of sort of like in the last episode we talked about Alpha Vettel and this idea of um, emotion and instinct and stuff versus cold logic and intelligence? Okay, is this trying to present something similar? Are we now supposed to be sort of taking it, you know, this idea of the the passion and the creativity and the of, you know, the faith of of the American versus the cold? logic uh the coldness of the of, of this sort of soviet thing i was like cool we're we gonna get a little bit of an argument about that nope <laughs> like it's a nice little moment but again it doesn't drive anything or push anything to be like a motivating factor to any character development at all yeah it just seems like i mean like all the dialogue in here it, it just seems like it's just some dialogue yeah. um it's just look i mean this is a Everything feels as if it's a complication to fill space, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. and I agree, quite agree. I like that dialogue quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. It does sort of illustrate the difference between, you know, the, the two countries there. But that's not important. That's yeah. never going to come back. And in fact, in none of the sequence do they mention America or the Soviet Union. I mean, nobody says anything about that. So so you're not invited to make that connection. I'm sure that connection is intended, but it's not going to be elaborated upon. It's not important. It's just a line. It's it's flavor text, right? It's just yeah. there to fill. And that, that's the thing, like I say, when I go back to this idea of it being inoffensive, mm. it's exactly that, isn't it? Like, <clears throat> we... we you know, have joked, and I know that you, you know, you have certain feelings about blockbuster cinema and that sort of thing. You know, like um, the Fast and the Furious, or is, is actually a very good example of this. Some of the later Fast and the Furious, one of those things where the ludicrous of the escalating ludicrousness of the plot is, or of the of the stunts and sequences that have to take place, is the purpose. That's the point. Mm-hmm. The pl- the plot is. You know the MacGuffin that's being chased is is almost is, is literally that it's a MacGuffin to facilitate this escalation of um, events, car chases, helicopter chase, tank chase, whatever the hell it's going to be, is is the point, not the plot. And so, th- to me, watching this in from '66, I was thinking about that and thinking, this feels like a like a a poorly done blockbuster from a, a later decade yeah i think you're right um and you know i mean it doesn't make any sense i mean i i do think that some of those blockbusters that i would i would object to today um have more inconsistency scene by scene 
um, mm. where this feels like it's from an earlier period in which, yeah, there's no narrative tension. Yes, the basic idea of the story makes no sense. There's no attempt to connect the beginning with the end and really, you know, or have anything to say. I mean, it feels like a, you know, a college writing chore that somebody would give you, you know, to mm. write this movie. I mean, it, it feels like this was a chore to write and nobody really cares. <laughs> Having said that, yeah, I know, I know exactly <clears throat> what you mean. And I think that's correct. I do think that like here it's just for the spectacle, right? Mm -hmm. But even then, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I hate inoffensive stuff, right? I hate that kind of uh, feeling like something's gone through. Today, it's it's sort of the Disney thing of like, oh, this has gone through a lot of test screenings to make yes. it, you know, like like you said, with that dialogue, sort of like that dialogue's there about God. That, But it's done in the uh, exactly the kind of way where somebody, I mean, if that were in a, you know, Marvel movie today, people would say, oh, it's cutting edge, you know, like it's really touching on things. And you say, no, it, it is exactly as cutting edge as you can get through those test screenings. Yes. Um, to make sure nobody's offended on either side, but it's still there for people to say, oh, isn't this brave? Well, it's a bit like, yeah, I mean, you had, a, a, you know, I, you and I have talked about the line from what, um, if it was Wonder Vision or or one of those where he talks, um, the Vision says, "What is what is grief but love continuing or something like that?" And everyone went mad for the line, and really like, yeah, it's all right, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> but it's not amazing dialogue. It's just an interesting line, but it's not like you know, doesn't deserve that pat on the back as much as that. Um. And this feels the same. It's that sort of like it's that sort of give, isn't it? You go, okay, I'm going to give a little just because it's to make people think we're giving something. But this is just that sort of like it's a sprinkling of salt and pepper just to sort of make sure there's a little bit of flavour in it. But actually, yeah, it's not. I'm, I mean, I think that you're right, and I think that like what's amazing is that that line is followed up by you know one of the most. And there are good things about WandaVision. It starts a lot better than it ends. Mm. But ultimately, that's followed up by one of the most illogical and conventional superhero fights, yeah. you know, as, as a climax that throws out anything that was artistic or good about that series. Uh, because you've got to have that dumb payoff, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that in a, in a weird way, like Fantastic Voyage feels like, it does feel like that sort of spectacle blockbuster, right? Uh, an event film. Um, but that like that kind of like lack of narrative tension that you have mm -hmm. in Fantastic Voyage has been solved by these movies. Mm. But in a way, I find that more offensive when it's solved by like, you know, guys hitting each other and, you know, saying the world's at stake, except it's not. And that doesn't make sense. And suddenly they have it, it powers that they didn't have before. But it depends and... on the genre. It depends on what, but this is the thing, like with superhero films, you know, I, I, I often, you know what you're getting involved in. All right. You know what you're going into. So if I watch like a Superman film when like Zod's like, I'm going to crush this earth under my boot. Wah! And they get into a fight and it's sort of like, you know, okay, 
you're going to have that fight where if, if Superman loses, Zod will be the evil Superman. Like he has those powers, and so the stakes are actually, like, you know, high. It's silly, and I know it doesn't make sense a lot of the time, and it's all a bit daft and da da da. But I'm like, okay, fine. And it's the same with a lot of those things. Like I'm going to, I'm, I'm accepting the the on a you know if we, if we view it on a curve, I'm accepting the ballpark in which I am playing in that sense, right? <clears throat> and so when when a film is introduced, now, let, let's use inner space as a good example of this, right? So this is, that's the 80s version of this, right? And you have Martin Short and Dennis Quaid playing um, these two sort of t- typical characters. That, you know, it's a very 80s film. It's quite good, actually. I do quite enjoy it. But they, they introduce an element into that where it's not, I don't think it's, I can't remember if it's governmental or corporate. It might be governmental. But, you know, this thing of, uh, if he is found and extracted, then they lose the technology. So they're being hunted for this technology. So you, you get this this ratcheting up of tension. It's some of it's very silly. <clears throat> but at one point, Martin Short has a, a look. Like I think it's a German or no Russian injected into him in another little in another shrunken thing. And so you are you going like much like with this film, where you're going sort of like okay, so somebody else has got that technology. So why are they after Dennis Quaid? <laughs> like, what is it that, was, that what's the problem? And all this other stuff, like, you know, but because you're sort of going, okay, but they're playing it sort of for laughs. It's a, like you say, it's it's designed to be a certain kind of film. I'm meeting it on its own terms in that case, you know, because I'm enjoying other elements of it, but it has certain tensions. Like it has a fight. It actually has a fight in the digestive system. You see someone digested. It has some other funny bits. And because you've got a, a charismatic cast, it helps. Do you know what I mean? You you buy into that, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that, you know, I'm gonna give it that, and I'm gonna give it that, and I'm gonna enjoy it on its terms. The problem with Fantastic Voyages, as I say, because it's so inoffensive, like nothing sort of um, nothing is elevating itself. Like if it was funny, or if it was like really gory if they did something to elevate that one element i'd be like i'm really enjoying those bits so i'm going to kind of let those bits go do you know what i mean mm. so like i'm yeah, sure but it's charming nothing... in some way or you know right, yeah right, right. do you know what i mean it's like or looks it's... great you know yeah. has some weird veneer of, of you know weird coolness to it sort of fountain style exactly exactly like if it's going to introduce something where i'm like you know they entered the brain and all of a sudden it was like tw- you know 2001 and they're like it's full of stars or something like like <laughs> do, you know I mean? do you know what i mean like yeah that would be cool actually that'd be a, yeah that'd be amazing you're like oh my god this has gone into a really psychedelic place i'm gonna let that stuff go because it's gone here there's none of that it's so linear and so sort of secure and safe that like that you do end up looking at bits and going like, look, that's become glaring and there's nothing to counter it for me to, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, and it's that kind of like flatness yeah. uh, of this film. Having said that, I mean, you were talking about like accepting these films for what they are, right? Yeah. And it's, it's true that this does not have that sense of fun. And I think that what, Certainly when you're talking about, you know, like the Fast and the Furious or um, Marvel movies. I mean, they're very focused on delivering that fun for the mm, audience. It's, right? popcorn. it's a popcorn fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's and it's designed. There's nothing wrong with that. It's designed yeah. to do that, you know, and that's fine. And this is 
a movie that in theory should be delivering that fun and but just is not. Point. No. But right. That, 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 you're right. It's not charming or, or anything. No, but that opening that opening sequence, you know, the plane comes in, you know, the professor come off, and then the cars crash and there's flames and gunshots and oh my god, he's in a coma. Cool. Right. Are we in like a are we in like an espionage thriller? Is this going to be sort of like, you know, is this going to be, this is 66. So, okay, you're going to have a sort of like, um, you know, you're going to be looking to have some. Need and peel kind of. Yeah. 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 Is it going to have like an espionage bent? Is it going to be these kinds of things? Is it going to have a bit of a bond kind of feel or anything? What's it going to have? There's a security guy on the craft who's interrogating everybody for being a traitor and, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were told not to bring a gun on board, but someone's brought a gun mm. on board. Blah 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 blah. All those kind of things we now know as cliches, but could be in this film. Like, is that what I'm going to get? You know, paranoia and and mistrust. Mm. No, mm. not getting that. All right. Am I going to get like you say a family fan family entertainment spectacle where I'm going to get sort of you know. Um, high adventure and drama with someone clinging to the side of a lung where it could be sort of like, you know, oh, I don't know, something. But, like, you don't get that either. So I'm a little bit confused as to sort of, like, what is the point of this film? Like, what is the... I get the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're going to shrink people down to, to, to save someone's life. Blah, blah. But when you get into the film, it's like you said, it's so flat that there's nothing elevating it. And there's no, like... um you know when you I think of like um, what's the uh, Lost in Space, mm, mm-hmm. like the TV show or, or even the TV. Oh, the the TV show, yeah. Yeah, or, or any of the versions of that, and you have the what was the Doctor called? The you know the the he's like the Hammy Doctor and so sort of like you know I'll get you evil kind of. Yeah. yeah, like all right, am I going to get like a ham- you got Donald Pleasance mm. for Christ's sake? Like this is this is Doctor Loomis, this is Blofeld. Get something Hammy. Go go do something. Do you know what I mean? And that's the well, problem. I, I do. I mean, but I, I want to come back to this sort of comparison of sort of thinking of this as a spectacle or a blockbuster. Mm. Um, you said, like, when you watch the current kind of movies, you know what to expect. Mm. Um, I mean, that's true to a degree. But what I would say, I mean, Fantastic Voyage is way better than most of those movies. And, you know, oh, one of the... Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and one, I mean, God, it, it's... 10 times better than, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, infinity war, um, you know, but seriously, but, you know, and, and part of the reason is because it is inoffensive. Like it doesn't say, and while I'm all for go crazy, you know, have it's full of stars when you get into the brain, but it doesn't like, it doesn't say at the end, the, the biggest problem is like the ship is consumed by, you know, white blood cells or whatever mm. and it doesn't get out of him right i mean it, it should be growing you know and i find myself thinking like if you're the saboteur all you have to do is take your ring off and just yeah. leave it inside him you know yeah. like <laughs> i thought about this right yeah. like that's a bomb just wait until this shit <laughs> goes off but um okay so that's this is a plot hole right but at least at least the movie follows through on its premises it doesn't ultimately get back to the cold war thing it doesn't have anything to say about anything but a scene unfolds and it's like we're going to go through the heart okay now we go through the heart it as they're going through the heart they don't say we're out of time and you know we want it to be more dramatic mm-hmm. so today it would be more dramatic but then 
in, in most of these blockbusters, they'd say, right, it's dramatic. We're out of time. Fortunately, I brought on the ship. Uh, I'm a magician. I haven't mentioned this previously. <laughs> and I'm going to do an incantation that makes us that makes us go back 30 seconds in time. And now we're going to go through the heart again, except somehow we're going to make it this time, even though that it, that incantation didn't speed up. I know, I know our, what you're saying. Craft. I mean, and that's all of these movies that I object to do exactly that, where, yes, it is dramatic if you are mentally, you know, have an ice pick in your head. No, I, I disagree with that, because I think, yes, there's certain things to, 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 to get, you know, the, the gimme, if you will, the sort of like, you know, I will let that slide. I mean, again, like if I use the Fast and the Furious as, as a good example, like, you know, of this exactly what you're saying is we're in this predicament and someone will go ah i've got a stick of gum that'll block a hole that you know all of a sudden i i can block a hole to outer space with some bubble gum or like you know spearmint i i i, I sort of get what you're saying on that front but it doesn't shift genre i think they're gonna be like a sci-fi film they go ah well actually i'm doctor strange and i'm gonna do this like this you meet it on its own terms but at least it's those films in many cases are trying for something. I'm trying to think of a good example recently. Um, that's, that's done these things again. I'll think of like you know, past I'll go to like you know, disaster. This is akin to either like a travel movie or a, or, a, or a disaster movie. And I think of like Armageddon, and Armageddon's got a lot of those things where it's sort of like you know, um, we get there and we can't drill down because the iron's too tough or there's something else we've got to do something else and all this and stuff i mean even the premise of that is like it's easier to to train miners to become astronauts than than, than astronauts to become miners is ridiculous in and of itself yes. um and uh, uh yeah i mean you know ben affleck even confronted um michael bay about this or jerry brookheimer about this and he said ben i'll tell you the answer to this it's quite simple fuck off go act <laughs> And he's like, they know, they get that. That's the point. But again, what my point is, you meet it on its own terms, and you're saying that, the, that this one was 10 times better than, than those. I massively disagree. I massively disagree. In the sense of, in the moment, if I'm going in and going, I know what this film is. I know that I'm going to go watch a Fast and Furious film. I know it's going to be ridiculous. I know they're going to have tanks doing wheelies or some other shit. Like, I know it's going to be stupid. The Rock's going to be jumping off a, a you know, an oil rig and, and doing something mental or something like fine i'm fine with that like because i know what this is supposed to be it's, i'm, I'm going to yeah, meet but, it, I mean, it you know everything you're saying is a straw man argument because you're saying i know what it is nobody is objecting to dumb you know action no. sequences nobody yeah. is objecting to the rock flying off of buildings i mean if you know you say i know what it is going in yeah of course i mean nobody is going to watch like uh avengers and say Wait a minute! A guy can't lift those many pounds with muscles. That's I mean, that's intrinsic to the concept, right? Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, like if you spend your entire movie saying, like, all right, we're gonna sh we're gonna shrink this down, right? Here are the, here's the basic premise of the movie. Here's how the shrinking technology works. It lasts an hour, and then you're gonna start growing. At the end of that, you can say, right, we're gonna start growing. But that doesn't mean we automatically get back up to the full size in one second, right? We're going to have to get out while we're growing. Okay, that's fine. Not a problem. But if you suddenly, if that is everything that you've set up, 
and then you suddenly change those rules so that it doesn't matter at all anyway, um, mm. or, or the rules are fundamentally different, um, then the more drama and um, you know tension that you infuse, the more angry I become. Because now you're trying to sell me on how dramatic and cool this is when actually this is, is mind-bendingly stupid and you've changed the rules. So a good example of that would be like, you know, uh, well, if he if he gets the, the stupid infinity gems, he's all powerful and can remake the universe at will. So what we're going to do, right, because he's apparently just mind bendingly stupid. I mean, his motivation doesn't make any sense. That's fine. Right. But we're going to have a guy with a shield punch him. <laughs> no, he's already got the thing. He can zap all of you away. Nobody is going to stand there and get punched when they can unmake the guy punching him with one thought, right? If that's not happening, why am I watching any of this? You, you just, you cannot do this and believe that that is dramatic. Uh, you know, something is wrong with your brain if you're entertained by that. I just, I cannot get past that. Something like Fantastic Voyage, it is dull. It is not done it is not going for the fun. Clearly, it fails at that. But at least it is consistent. And, you know, it doesn't have a character say, you know, by the way, I'm from Alpha Centauri. Yeah, and, I get what you're you saying. Know. All right, all right. So you're saying it sticks. Let's, I, I see what you're saying. And, and, and the Infinity War argument will come for another day. Yeah. But, and I, so I appreciate what you're saying about the that you what you consider to be changing the rules. However, the other thing I would say is, not you see, it's, it's consistent. Okay, you agree it's dull, but you see, it's consistent. It, it, the premise is oh, all right. This is a bit like this film, right? You're saying it's consistent. Okay, my premise for today is I'm going to get my car and I'm going to drive to the local supermarket, and I'm going to complete this shopping list, and then I'm going to come home and put that shopping list away. All right, but I also know that there is a person working at said supermarket that is trying to stop me from buying X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Okay? And when I get to the supermarket, that person just says to me, you can't buy X, Y, and Z. I go, um, well, I'm going to. And you go, okay. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to buy these ones. And I go, okay, well, I'm just going to take these ones and leave. Like, that's, no, come home and unpack it. That's what this film is. Like, it's literally that sort of linear. Like, and then you go, well, why did they want to stop you from buying X, Y, and Z? Oh, well, I just don't think they like me. And you go, okay, well, why don't they like you? Oh, I don't really know. Okay. Well, did you talk about it with them? No. Okay. Did they pose, pose any risk at all at any other point? No. This is what point you see it fits its premise. Well, it doesn't because it tells you it's an espionage film and it never has any espionage. <laughs> well, I don't think it tells you it's an espionage film. I think I think the espionage is just there to set up. We're going to shrink and go inside somebody's body, right? Yeah, which, I mean, so, you're, you're yeah. right. Like, it doesn't say. So, so we're having a deeper conversation here about, yeah. like, what is worse, right? Yeah. Like, is it worse to say... Yeah, that, that guy trying to stop you from buying those those grocery items is uh, totally unmotivated, um, you know, or there's one line at the very beginning and he's never going to mention it ever again. Right. Mm. OK, that's bad. 
I agree that's bad, all right? But it's not bad, right? Like capital B-A-D. It is not offensive to the concept of art. It is badly done, but it is not, uh, it, is, it is an entirely different sort of transgression to, you know, to, to have him say, for example, well, um, my reason for trying to stop Scott is because I'm from the Dwarf Republic and Scott, you know, and Scott, if he buys these things, um, will destroy my homeland. All right. Well, can we see that Dwarf Republic? How does that work exactly? Why mm. are we buying these things? This no, never going to be explained. And, and you know, we're going to spend ten million dollars to have like a two-minute sequence of the Dwarf Republic uh, being destroyed. Why is that happening? Why is Scott connected to that? Not important. That I mean, that's a whole other level of bad. Um, yeah, and that's uh, what we get today. This uh, is just inoffensive. Yeah, I think I, I can see that with some films. Again, I've seen that with like, if anything, like say, and I'll, I'll continue with the um, Fast and the Furious. Because well, in fairness, I have not seen. No, no, no yeah, yeah, and um, I'll think of some others in a minute. But it's just because I know these because those are offensively stupid. Like um, they started. I mean, the, the whole franchise starts with uh, it's about an FBI agent infiltrating car racing. That's the premise of the first film like you know it's basically sort of a point break the main thing jay edgar hoover was focused on yeah yeah street racing but there was Steven. <laughs> yeah. um but then then becomes this sort of like massive sort of like you know blockbuster stupid event sort of spy threat spy thing still with the same characters that were existing in the first film that were driving cars drag racing cars in la um and that's a shift, but that's a shift where you go, okay, it sort of escalates and it's silly. But Hobbs and Shaw, which was the offshoot, which had Jason Statham and The Rock in it, did this thing where it introduced biotechnology and made Idris Elba into a cyborg. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's really sort of upping into territory I'm not exactly comfortable with. And it has stunts and stuff in it where I'm like, they're running down the sides of buildings and they're doing all this other stuff. And at the end really? of it, like, oh yeah, like it's lunacy. At the end, they go back to Samoa uh, or Hawaii, I think. Well, no, I think it's Samoa, and they meet the Rock's family, and they basically sort of like they basically hucker these people to death. Like it's there's some cool scenes, and it's it looks fun, but it's that thing it's you're not saying. In the same universe, right? No, it's where you go. Yeah. This isn't this isn't the same as this thing I was watching over here. So like it's a complete shift. Um. And so I appreciate what you're saying there, of where they're saying these characters that you knew, you know, that were this are now superheroes. They are now mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, or and even especially in the case of Jason Statham, who actually starts as a villain trying to kill all the people, is now in the hero role and stuff. So it's it's the loon. I, I get what you're saying in that sense of like, mm -hmm. do you remember that thing we told you before? Yeah, we're going to shift 100. And, you know, like we're going to take you 180 degrees and do something different. Because that's what's popular now. So that's what I, I get what you're saying on that. However, you said something there about art. I would never say that Hobbs and Shaw's art in any way, shape, or form, right? And I would say this is where we have to get into this idea of entertainment versus art, okay? And so this, the, so let's talk about, and let's do, let's use Infinity War as a, as a, as a benchmark for this. I was in a theatre, and I know you. I, I get. I know. I can imagine your reaction to this. I was in a theatre in that scene when 
Cap is on his own. You know, Chris Evans caps America, and his shield's broken, but he still tightens that belt to you know, to sort of use against his broken arm, and he's ready to take on uh, Thanos and that, uh, that army that he's got in front of him, right? And I'm sat there, right? I ain't lying. I'm sat there. There was people. The theater was packed. There's, and all of a sudden, you hear on your left. You know, or you, you hear the the noise. You hear the crackle coming through, and then you see. You know, the, the portal's open. That's just quite the portal scene, right? And you have Black Panther walk through with Shuri and and then uh, you hit on your left and, and Sam comes through and then you get all the others come through and all the other, you know, all those characters you've seen have come through. The you fact know, that you can about. name these characters. I mean, you know, Black Panther, you know, outside of the color of his costume is indistinguishable from Iron Man. Uh, exactly the same character. Um I'm with, I'm, I'm, let's not get into that, but yeah, I mean, but the, the point is in this scene, and you are your point being on the other side of this, you have all these things coming through the portals, right? You get Doctor Strange and you get the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Spider Man comes back and it's a big way. But when you hear that on your left and Sam comes through, mm-hmm. right? Which is such an easy, easy thing to do, right? Like on your left, right? There's the callback, everybody knows it's coming, yeah, 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 well, totally. The cinema I was in erupted, mm-hmm. like, erupted, Wah! right? Everyone was into it. There were tears, like, you know, like people getting proper into this scene. It was probably one of the most, you know, played out scenes. But then, like, the portals all opened, and it was a massive success. At the other end of the field, in in the cinema universe, is mm-hmm. Thanos stood there, you know, with the Infinity Gauntlet and with his big sword and all this other shit, and he's just stood there watching. And you're mm-hmm. right, because he could just go, uh, gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and if he doesn't, there was never any threat to begin with. And everything they've done for this entire movie and all of these other movies was meaningless. Um, well, no, right. actually, no, that's a good, the, no sorry, I've actually, sorry, I've looked, cause he doesn't, he's not actually wearing the gauntlet at that point because it's buried under Avengers Mansion, but he does get it later on. He, when he gets it and you've got them all and there. And he's still engaged in fisticuffs. And he's still engaged in fisticuffs but, and stuff. But like... look, so you're talking about this moment that, you know, and I'm all for, look, I mean, I I like the Transformers movies at times. Mm. They're flawed. I can admit they're flawed. And I know what I'm enjoying. I mean, and I know that this is not good, right? I mm. know what's good and what's not in those movies. And I'm not recommending them to anybody. <laughs> um, you know, w- with some exceptions. But... Um, you know, I know what's good and what's not there. Um, but you're talking about this experience and, and, and by all means, bless anybody for having that sense of fun, right? I'm, you're my buddy, okay? Mm. I'm glad that you enjoyed that. I'm glad you had that riveting moment. If I were in that theater, the level of hostility that I would feel, <laughs> not just, not my hostility toward the film, Mm. This says something about me, okay? Not that. The level of hostility that I would feel from that audience toward me. I would feel as if I am, you know, like the average person from Alpha Centauri who landed here (laughs) would have more in common with, you know, all of us in the movie theater than I would with the rest of this movie theater. And I would just feel like, okay, my brain is so different this is a sort of like exterminating gesture to me. Um, I'm glad that they are, you know, like I will never fit in. I will always believe that anybody around me is one mood shift away from literally killing me. 
Um, you know, I am just absolutely alien. There's no point in me writing anything. There's no point in me trying to have a friendship or communicating with anybody because this is a thing that the that most human beings can do in their brains and can go to this place. That mm. I and I'm watching it already with my head in my hands, just depressed and suicidal about what what I'm watching and how much money was spent on this and not being able to understand how anyone could be entertained by it. And so for me, that is a, a profoundly painful, existentially threatening experience. Um, and I'm glad that it's fun for you. I cannot get there. <laughs> and something's maybe, I mean, obviously something's wrong with my brain. And that's no, why it's so painful for me. But I think that's the thing. It's about... It's about what we take from this thing. And this is what I'm saying about this idea of sort of entertainment versus like, I you you say about sort of like it's it's about what you'd recommend. I'm the same, like there are certain films I know I watch, and you know, I think we've talked about this. Like there are films I go like, no, I love that film, it's amazing. I know it's crap, but I have a fondness for Howard the Duck. We're gonna get to it in this season. Yeah, I do too. I have a fondness for film, but there are still parts of that film where I'm like, oof, like this film is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know that there's, a, there's I have an emotional connection and I have an, an emotional reaction to that film. Same with Goonies. Like, I can watch Goonies as an adult now and other films and go, like, yeah, doesn't quite work in the, in the way that it should or the way they thought it did. However, I still have a nostalgic connection to this film and I'm sort of I'm, I'm bought into it. So I can still watch it in that 12-year-old, 10-year-old sense. And that's the thing, though. This is the thing. Like, I'm, an, I, I, I'm overly emotional in some of these cases, right? Films fucking, like, in it, and we've talked about Armageddon that first time. And again, spoilers for a film from the nineties that, you know, pretty much everyone's seen and, and has a opinion. That time in that film, when, when Bruce Willis gives that speech to Liv Tyler and it's got the music on and he's going to sacrifice them. We've talked about these two stupid sacrifices. And I know when we do it, like this will be a debate, but like that film gets me. Like, I'm just sort of like, you know, get choked up i'm looking and i'm thinking to myself going like why am i choked up by this film it's bruce willis like it's it's no it shouldn't it shouldn't be doing this to me mm -hmm. but it's like there's a, there's a combination of like the music and the way it's sort of set and you get you know like you've got ben affleck crying on screen and i'm just like oh i'm all in it's all working it's all sort of affecting me mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i need that attention you know like apollo 18 you mentioned apollo 18 is a very similar film to this like you know problem 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 but like you have performances and there are things mm. that just keep me going where i'm just like i am engaged and i am worried i know this is going to end well i've seen the hit i've literally read articles about the history of this like i know how this ends but i'm in, i'm engaged with this film and i'm gonna sort of like react to it and i have like it's my my heart rate's increasing and all this other stuff even and going back to those other things, let's like Hobbs and Shaw. It's mental. It makes no sense. It's a ridiculous film. But there are still so there are still several chase scenes in that film where I'm like, I am engaged. My heart is racing. I'm in. I'm proper into this moment. And so, although I know those things, that inconsistency for me, I still react to them and can come out the end of it and go, Do you know, what? that's bumped that up a star for me. Like, I know this film makes no sense. I know that sort of like mm. at the end, I really hated that ending. Like, or I know that this this whole sequence was utter garbage. And as you say, in some cases, I will sit through and go, that third of the film is offensively bad. Like the end, the finale is so ridiculously awful. But then I like this other bit, so it, it's still mm -hmm. a good score. Unfortunately, the thing is, and like, so I need that. 
I need that 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 sort of like tension, that ratcheting up, or like even if it's like, in, would you you need that like emotional connection. I need that emotion, emotional boost. Yeah. Okay. Like I need that silly silliness. Like there were silly films. Like you know, I often think of. Um, do you remember the, the the Three Musketeers from nine, the nineties with Chris O'Donnell in and and Martin Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland? No. And, right? It's worth, it's a Disney film, right? And it's it, it's not the best. It's nowhere near the best telling of the Three Musketeers, right? There's the one from the seventies, I think, with with mm. um, some of this very good. You know, it's got um, I can't remember now, but there's still something about that film because it's got like. Um, the cast it's got and the time I saw it and some of the things like it's, I've st- even then I think like it's it's got good sword fights it's got these people I'm like oh it's a great film. However, categorically, I still know that there are parts of that film that are utter tripe. But it's like how it's how I was introduced to the Three Musketeers. So then I went off and read Dumas and read the book and I was like, that's a big book, but I've read it and you know. And I so oh. when I when I come to this. And I'm like, oh, it's all consistent. It all works, mostly. But at no point did my pulse race. At no yeah. point. At no but point, I don't care. And I don't think that it cared whether I cared. <laughs> but it should do. But that's the point. Like, tell me, if you're going to into, if you're going to introduce with that scene of a car chase and a crash and all that, okay, you're telling me there's going to be some excitement in this. And then just have basically a bus ride in somebody's body for an hour. It, it, I don't know. It just <laughs> like like the slow boat ride down the the river stick. You know, yeah. like... <laughs> that that's what it was. And like you say, <laughs> it, it introduces so many things where it's like we're going to go inside a body. The body is an amazing thing, and it can do these dangerous things. Cool. Show me. We've got a traitor on board that's going to make it harder. Show me. Do something. And it's Donald Pleasance, and you go, oh, it's Donald Pleasance. I thought it was Donald Pleasance from these four things that already happened. Like. At no point does it raise its own pulse or my pulse. And so it might be consistent and they might be successful. But by the end of the film, I'm like, you had Raquel Welsh on this. And I'll be honest with you, I forgot you had Raquel Welsh in this film mm-hmm. because you 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 don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear everything that you're saying. I, I think that I, 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 we're different people. Yes. Um, You know, I think that, you know, first of all, if something isn't meant to be taken seriously, you know, there are ways that you can communicate that. And not everything is meant to. I mean, it's a gradation. Right. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as just it's a joke or it's deadly serious. Right. No. Um, You know, I mean, we mentioned like uh, Tinker Taylor. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's that's as close as you can get to deadly serious. Right. Mm. Uh, very realistic, you know, whatever, um, you know, and then there's sort of a farce on the other end. But there there are ways of communicating like, yeah, you know, don't take this too seriously. That would indicate to a viewer or to a reader of a narrative, you know, we're probably going to, you know, do some nonsense later on. You know, don't take it. Don't get too caught up in the fact that, yeah, it's dramatic, but we're going to change the rules on you. Um, You know, and that is a pretty objective analysis of, you know, what that tone is. Right. Mm. Um, And so I would say that, first of all. Right. I mean, like this is a series of relatively this movie is a relatively straight movie. It's Mm. not. 
you know, it's it's, it's not. But but so are those Marvel movies, you know, mm-hmm. like obviously Thor, Ragnarok and, you know, Watiti, you know, has a different tone. They're not all in the same register, but, um, you know, they're not the Dark Knight, but they're also not Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I quite like and we should do someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing is, like you talked about, like, what is art? You know, um, you know, I, I, I in in the Academy, I don't I don't think we privilege this concept of like it's art. To me, art doesn't mean anything special. There is no art with a capital A. There is mm. no I mean, that's not a separate category. I mean, when a child takes a crayon to a piece of paper, that's art. Is it good art? No. Is it worth preserving? No. Uh, but it is. You know, essentially, it's a visual art. It's a flat visual art. It's in the same genre, more or less, as Picasso. It's a lot less successful, but, you know, it is a work of art. And I think that, you know, in the same way we talk about, like, what what's a narrative, you know? Um, you know, a, a work of fiction, is, you know, that, that has a structure, right, is a narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are rules to how narrative works. You can, there are rules to how a farcical narrative works. Um, And so to me, you know, to me, you know, there isn't just this category of like, okay, this is an art film. This is not, this is a narrative, a serious narrative. This is not, these are gradations. And I think that, you know, um, that just saying that something isn't art doesn't mean that if it, Unless it's like a, a total, you know, farce, like, uh, you know, the, the comedy version of Casino Royale, um, <laughs> you know, which is great. And I love it. Uh, nobody's going to watch that and say, wait a minute, you know, this gum works like that. <laughs> you know, no. I mean, it's a set its own rules. Right. But it but all of these things set their own rules and they tell you as the viewer or as the reader how to judge them. And when you do that and then you pull the rug out from under people and and say well we couldn't resolve this successfully so we're gonna you know suddenly introduce you know like time travel or whatever or you know um you know this threat that we've built up doesn't actually work the way we've said and that there's no meaning behind that it's just you know i mean that's a problem and it's a problem in a different way than being boring is um you know it's bad you know to me and to me the more it builds itself up like you say you've got to have this emotional connection to me the more i'm aware that it thinks it's good right i mean one of the things that defines bad you know like really bad taste right is people who think they're good it's what makes like when you watch mtv reality shows and you're like (laughs) that guy is way too cocky for you know, obviously being somebody who, you know, should not be cocky about anything. Um, and then it's presented by the show in a way of like, oh, you know, isn't this fun? Isn't he a bad? Yeah, that's bad with a capital B-A-D, right? Um, in that same sense, the more it's built up is like, right, isn't it awesome, you know? Uh, you know, on your left, isn't it awesome that we're signaling these fun, pushing the fun buttons? When I think, you know, when something is presenting itself as really awesome and a masterpiece and really good, and and these movies do get presented that way, the more they get built up, 
you know, the, the worse, the, the more offensive they are when they're really, you know, bad. And so I think like Fantastic Voyage, you know, I mean, nobody was going to see Fantastic Voyage saying like, it has changed the history of cinema. The, yeah. you know, the Russo brothers are the best director ever, you know, like. I mean, I'll give, I'll give you a saying on that front. Now, you know, I would still defend Infinity War and, and others. Um, I know you and I would disagree. I mean, we, we may get to some of them, but on this front, I, I get you saying. I can actually, I will concede, and I will agree what you're saying about art. That there, you know, you you should choose someone on that gradation of what they are presenting. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't compare Austin Powers and um, the Daniel Craig um, Casino Royale and say these are two spy films, and therefore they should be judged the same. You're right; they're they're very different things. But one of the things I say you, you, is that, um, that that Fantastic Voyage presents itself, and then here's, I, I, the thing is I don't think it does. This is the thing: like its opening scene is a car crash, a fire, and a shootout, and then you have a military base where they're whipping around and they're sort of talking, and then they introduce the shrink, and I'm fine with that because that's the gimme. That's the sort of the technological technological gimme. But the, the 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 problem is, like you say, that you've got to meet it on its own terms. All right, well, if, if that's the case, and its own terms is it's going to send this. Even Tinker Tailor, we're using that as an example. And I actually really enjoy that film. I think Gary Oldman, the, the, the Gary Oldman film, is very very good. I really quite enjoy it. I agree. Um, but that film is presenting you with a complex, dry view of the spy uh, profession in the seventies, really. I suppose. Um, and so that's what it is. Uh, but it's still got intrigue and it's still got moments of drama and tension. And you sort of realise, so I say, how grey some of these people are and who's their real master and all this other stuff like these, who's pulling whose strings and all this other stuff. That, and that I find that even even like the main character at the end, you're like, actually, did he was he playing this differently all along? Like, there's some great moments in that. But it's still presented as being a very straight, very sort of, you know, I won't say, I won't say gritty, a very straight, very sort of complex drama. Mm-hmm. But it starts from that point and ends on that point. That's the way it's sort of presented. It has flashes of, 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 of I won't say violence, but there's flashes of, of I'll say, inverticals of action because you have a shootout here or whatever. But it's even those are not presented in a sort of blockbuster fashion. They're quite sort of, mm-hmm. they're very straight legs, they're very naturalistic. But with this, they're introducing almost like a. They, they, at one point, like a guy comes, they park the car, he's taken into a car, they park in an entryway, like an alleyway, and the car disappears into the ground. Mm. And they have an underground base, this massive underground base like somewhere in, the, in in America. And I'm like, okay, you're talk, you're talking smirch level weird now. This is sort of like. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're yeah, introducing, yeah. you're introducing me to a Thunderbirds Spectre, level. Uh, you know. Yeah, you're introducing to me to a Thunderbirds level kind of thing now, right? And you're going to tell me these things shrink. Cool. That's going to be your gimme. Even if you're playing this straight, mm-hmm. I still need something because then it becomes just too straight. You're you've introduced a car chase and explosions and someone's been injured by as you said a cold war espionage. I'm then going to get a a, a, a laboratory or, or a base hidden under a city. Cool. 
you are now introducing me to a certain type of film. And that is not the film that is then delivered by the rest of the film. As far as I'm concerned, that's how I see it. This is showing me things that are parodied in other films. Even Austin Powers parodies this by having the the bass and the little carts and stuff that go everywhere. Mm. And then it introduces a straight-laced film that could have just been a submarine film in anything else. Like it, it just doesn't give me the. It doesn't pay off the promise of the opening ten minutes. Yeah, I think I think you're right, but I, but I think you're right about um, you know, about that tone, and you know, it seems clear to me that 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 opening, uh, especially the like car chase and and you know shooting, is is so clearly of a different piece entirely, right? Yeah. I mean that that's been sort of tacked on, you know, and 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 I think you're right that really I had forgotten about sort of the the way that base is presented. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of, um, you know, you mentioned Austin Powers. It reminds me a bit of uh, You Only Live Twice, the mm. volcano base, yes, uh, which I quite love. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right that there is a sort of like presentation there. But I felt like it was really that chase scene that was uh you know discordant and Mm. that the underground base is like right this is fantastic stuff right i mean it's it's there in the title it's the most generic title possible right it's like (laughs) fantastic planet the, the french movie you know it's like fantastic voyage that tells you nothing um so i think you're right to the extent that I mean, if we if we disregard that chasing, which I think is clearly just tacked on and not meant to, you know, I think really, right. may may have even been you know. filmed after, like yes, by a different director. I mean, <laughs> it does not seem like, and, yeah. and it's not even edited well. Like it's very confusing what's happening. Um, yeah, you know, which which is not true of the main film. The main film no, is true. very clear what's happening. Competent, very very competently filmed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even that's part of how boring it is right yes. um, <laughs> so i mean i think that that like the base you're right it's more enthralling than really mm. what we get but really what we are going to get is shrinking we're going to go through the human body we're going to say like all right this is the heart now we're in the lungs now we're i mean that is fantastic it's it's like a cavern like that base i mean to me that's not as discordant um I, I think it's just, you know, you, you've got to believe this is fantastic and it being presented to you as fantastic is enough mm. without the the drama. And, um, you know, it occurs to me, how different would this be with a different score? Um, yeah. You know, a score that really ratcheted up the drama. Well, that's a very good point, actually. Because I didn't even thought about the music. In fact, I didn't even notice the music in it. Uh, other than there's a couple of scenes. So I think you're very right. I think, you know, maybe re-editing this slightly and adding some bits, you know, some more jarring music or a bit more sort of like, you know, a bit more of an intriguing score or something would probably have a bit of an effect. But Yeah, either odd, ethereal, like Star Trek motion picture. Yeah. You know, like what's going on? What, what? You are uncovering the mystery or drama like, you know, action kind of, you know, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just just to note, obviously, this is a during the period. You've had like Land of the Giants and TV. You've had all these other things, you know, 
doing these things. And I'm not saying they're better by any shot. That's a TV show and stuff. But like, they play up the shrinking thing in in a, in a different way. Um, and I think that's it's 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 just yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we are we are running to time, yeah. and um, I think we've covered a lot there on on not just this film, but like on general sort of like this idea of, of what it is to be a spectacle film. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, and I think it begs these these questions because yeah. it we agree it's so like competently done, but so sort of inoffensively bland yeah. and <laughs> almost like allergic. To the concept of, of drama um, <laughs> yeah. in this really weird way, um, you know, and, and I think that invites all of the, the conversation that we've had, um, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think these are both valid perspectives that we have. And, and it may be that I have, uh, you know, just um, my Martian brain is... Uh, incapable of of oh no i think yeah. i think more if anything i'm just a sap and i just get pulled into marketing all the time so i'm i'm just an easy i'm an easy mark for these kinds of films um i feel like i'm a sap too but <laughs> we're sapping like different ways we use the same words to describe yeah. different it's things gradation one one kind of sap to the other kind of sap um final thoughts on this is i think you know one thing i'd say is is it is competent like the special effects are actually very very good the sets are good um the performances are very are fine like it's it's one of those like i'd find a lot you know we've discussed it but the the, the biggest problem is that's just how pedestrian this film is um and I, oddly like you say how much this gets referenced and stuff and having watched it now i'm like yeah so right like it does things but there's nothing here that i would be like especially during the 60s, especially this part of the 60s, where I'm like, right, you just had Rosemary's Baby and, you know, you're getting all these, you know, you're getting all these other sort of like other 60s films that are coming out. Like, why is this the one that people seem to to lack, uh, mention quite a lot? It's very bizarre to me. It doesn't stand out. It, 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 was, it was a watch. It was competently made. It didn't raise my pulse or my heart rate in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I'm still curious to like say, did they actually succeed? Did the professor get up? <laughs> Is he going to be all right? Clearly not important. So he, he died five minutes after the movie ended. You know? Well, the, the, the one thing I wanted to highlight, as you said about the shrinking, and this is my problem, is you say about leaving a ring or just something. Take off your shoe and leave it there or something. Um, yeah, surely they should be completely sterile yeah. when they are being shrank. Because, like you say, it could be all kinds of things. Like, how do you know that one of them didn't have a like a spider wasn't just sat on the edge of that, um, you know, on the the edge of that ship or something? A fly, for God's sake, a fly. Here you go. Yeah. But <laughs> get back to the fly, right? Exactly. The complications. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, sure. You know, that did sort of strike me. I was like, oh, this, this seems a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like did did metal. Did paint flake off yeah. from the exterior while they're going through, like you know, these these potentially, you know, going through the heart, going through all this the whirlpool. Yeah. I mean, did, was there, you know, does this have? I guess it's atomic powered, but was there any fuel ejected? Well, we right? see it. We see it has jets, so it's pushing something out. So yeah, so what is that stuff, and what happens <laughs> when that grows to? What happened? Like they're like, oh, right after yeah. this movie ended, they're like, oh. We forgot about all the radioactive material yeah, we left it. inside him. It's now at full size. 
we fixed his brain, but we appear to have given him blood cancer. Um, so, and uh, we didn't realize, but actually, the, the ship was covered in lead paint as well. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's now got three months to live. Tell us the secret fast because your body is riddled with tumors that we put there. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it could be an issue. Hey, Julian, from you, what are your final thoughts? Oh, no, I mean, I've, I've said more than enough. Yeah. I've been quite passionate. Um, you know, it. it it's not, I agree with you, it's a wonderful point. Like, how, we agree on this movie, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how did this become that influential? It's it's sort of staggering. Yeah, we've had some interesting ones in episode sort of, what is it, six? We're into sort of the season now, yeah. so. We've had some interesting six ones. Six episodes in. Yeah, so we've had some interesting ones. So we've got some other stuff coming up, so we've got, you know, we've done the 60s now, you know, we're getting into the 70s next. We've got uh, uh, THX 1138, is it? Mm-hmm. That's next. next. So a George Lucas pre-Star yeah, pre okay. Wars, pre-Star Wars, George Lucas, and then Jenny Agatha as well in Logan's Run. That's all I need to know for Logan's Run. Jenny Agatha in that film. Raquel <laughs> Welsh is all you need to know about Fantastic Voyage. Well, you would do if she was doing the Barbarella thing, but like she's not. <laughs> no, I know, I know, uh, and I do think yeah. of her that way because you know she's most known for that, you know, ten million BC. You know. Yeah, yeah, completely bizarre to cast her in this. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I, I shall leave it there. We've had quite a debate on this about these kinds of films. What are your thoughts about sort of spectacle films and Fantastic Voyage? Are we completely wrong? Have we misinterpreted this film? And, and you feel it is a milestone in sci-fi cinema and, and should be represented differently. Let us know. Come find out. Uh, find us on Twitter at pod time space uh, and talk to us. We're really curious as to what you want to know. Or leave us a review. Go to your podcast catcher, wherever you are. Leave a review and let us know what you think of this episode and the entire series. And if you're new to this, just want to let us drop it in because we are six episodes into season four. Um, and you found an episode we have this is season four we've got so much of a backlog and we've also got a load of bonus episodes we've covered red dwarf we've covered um uh westworld and we've recently covered um god almighty what do we cover in the last bonus twilight zone twilight zone well, yeah and now we're introducing the twilight zone doctor as well. who Doctor Who is what we cover. Thank you. Classic yeah. Doctor Who. And now we're covering the Twilight Zone. And between these episodes, these main feed episodes, we're releasing our bite-size uh, trekking through the Twilight Zone, where Julian and I talk about an episode of the classic Rod Serling uh, Twilight Zone, starting with season one and working through. But if waiting is too much for you, if you want the exclusives, go check out our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash 20cg media that's cg media uh link down below there's two seasons on there on our patreon it's sort of like you know pretty much like 60 something episodes um mm-hmm. of uh, uh twilight zone that's just going through and, and every single episode for the first two seasons and we're still going we've got season three to start and we'll be carrying on so plus bonus yeah. interviews 30 30 minute thoughts that you you record yeah. uh you know we've got a couple of doctor who bonus episodes on we there did yeah, and you know we really appreciate uh, your help, and we we know the times are tough, and anything you can spare, you know, it's not a lot of money. We we try to keep it affordable, uh, but we really appreciate it. And anything you can do to spread the word or sign up for the Patreon, I mean, we we really want to keep this going. 
We do, yeah. So help us keep the lights on in the, in the space station. Uh, really helps us. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been a fantastic discussion. And Julian, thank you, as always. Uh, it's been a treat to talk about uh, cinema and Fantastic Voyage. Uh, thank you. I'm going to go get miniaturized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And we shall talk to you in the next episode. streams.